0: Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris, and today is co-host Ben. You're going to space camp. No, I'm not. But you know us. We're just washed up going, a washed up comedian that do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply oversells hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So be sure to follow us on Twitter to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any hockey games, news, or videos we should cover in an upcoming podcast. So, Ben, on today's podcast, we want to welcome our special guest, the broadcaster of the USPHL's Northern Colorado Eagles, Brendan Price. Brendan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for jumping on. It's no secret to our listeners on this podcast that we're Mustangs fans, one of the Eagles' Mountain Division rivals. So thanks for taking the time to jump on with us anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I figured, knowing that you guys are such uh, Mustang aficionados, I could bring a little bit of a balanced breakfast to the the program, give you some Eagles ups and downs.
2: So, So basically, we're the cereal and you're the toast. Yeah, something like that. As long Love as it. there's butter.
1: As long as long there's is, butter.
2: God bless America. <laughs> Brendan. Yes.
0: So Brendan, with breakfast, now I'm all I'm thinking about is food. But tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the booth for Noko.
1: So um orig- so I'm a Colorado transplant, which uh tickles a lot of my friends because they joke about how out of staters are coming in and messing up Colorado. Um I'm originally from uh, San Diego, California. Uh, Moved up here to Colorado about three years ago now. I'm looking for kind of a change of pace, change of lifestyle. San Diego is so fast-paced. Southern California is is not quite my speed. So in terms of getting up here to the booth in NOCO, I actually started doing broadcasting for the University of Northern Colorado's club team. Um, And as an aside, shout-out to Aaron and Ryan and Ken for giving me that opportunity. Um, Mm. And in 2019 2020 during that season the eagles actually reached out because they needed to fill in they needed a substitute for a few games on the back half of their schedule and they had heard about me since we shared uh, unc and the eagles share the ice house and so i filled in for them for a few games did the western state showcase in december of 2019 and then this past off season prior to the pandemic Um, They reached out to me and said, hey, we really loved what you did, and we would love to have you back full time for 2020-2021, and I jumped at the opportunity, and the pandemic season was a little bit of a twist um, for year number one, but that's how I got to where I am so you
0: left California and as you were saying as a as a transplant, people are like, Oh, here here comes everyone into Colorado, now they're fleeing California. Our co-host on this episode, Ben, is one of those polar opposite people
2: who actually fled to California. Yeah. Oh, now, now hold on a minute, Chris. Hold on <laughs> a minute. I went to California for love. Mm. I was not I was not fleeing anything. And I was actually gonna say, Oh, you know, long term I was thinking about Colorado I feel like uh, this conversation, Brendan, has changed my mind. I don't want to be one of those stereotypical out-of-towners who ruins everything.
1: Well, I mean that's <laughs> pretty much how Californians think about everyone that moves to their state. I think it's just a local thing. You know, wherever you are local, you look at people that aren't local and say, ah, you know, insert item here used to be a lot more accessible, <laughs> but now you're
2: moving here, right? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, it's it's and I to that point too. I think uh, you know one of the things we talk about in the show. Uh, Chris was in the military. I grew up in a military family, so we've moved a ton. Don't really have any place that we call home. And I feel like when I'm in places like California, where there's a, a very strong. I'm in I'm in uh, the Bay Area very strong vibe and culture, I, for some reason, feel like I have to go the opposite. So I'm really tapping into my folksy, redneck, northern Florida roots when I'm out and about for some reason as a form of protest. So what do you think? Would that go along well in Colorado or no?
1: Oh, absolutely. At least up here in Greeley. Um, It's kind of interesting. So Greeley, for all of our geography buffs, um, is about an hour north of Denver, and it's about 40 minutes from Cheyenne. Um, Wyoming, so we're pretty close to the to the Cheyenne or to the Wyoming Colorado border here, which makes for an interesting, I would say, mix of of cultures. We've got a really strong kind of small town feel here in Greeley. Um, I've heard people joke that Greeley's a town of 100,000 that still feels like a small town. Hmm. Um, so I, I think Ben, it would fit in rather nicely up here.
2: Well, but well, Brendan, I feel welcome already. And on that note, I want to get back to talking about your local community. The, the Eagles finished at the top of the Mountain Division uh, and ended up getting to, to host that round robin playoff round. Were there any moments from the season or from the playoffs that really stood out to you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think one of the, the first ones, and I think kind of an overarching theme for the Eagles last season, was we spent from November through January. I mean, we played 16 straight road games just because of, you know, some of the, obviously the pandemic restrictions in in our state and the team performed admirably well. And I mean, by the time we got home in late January, everyone was just so relieved to get to use their stall, use their locker room, be at the ice house. And so that kind of, I think, set the tone, especially going into the second half of the season. And on a, on a game note, because of that, that stretch, we had to make up a fair number of games at the end of our schedule. And so in um, early February, we actually had a stretch where we played 10 games in 10 days. So it started with, we played four games against Ogden um, over the weekend, including a Monday morning game. And then we went down to Pueblo, played three down there, came back up here to the Ice House, and we played three against Provo. And so the Friday night game against Provo was, at that point, the eighth game in eight days and it also happened to be um, our captain will campbell his 200th game with the franchise and everybody was just gassed absolutely gassed and provo i mean as you guys know had just a phenomenal second half of the season i mean they they were were red red hot the entire second half and so prior to the game Big pregame introduction during the lineups for Will, being that it was his 200th game. And the Eagles gutted out a shootout win over Provo. And the crazy thing about it was our goaltender, Riley Tucker. So he and Will actually both committed to Indiana Tech this past offseason. Riley had his best game of the season. I mean, he, by midway in the third period, had made north of like 50 saves on— 52 shots, wow. and Provo scored to tie the game at 2-2. And Riley was fishing the puck out of the net, and he kind of flung it down the ice, you know, as goalies are wont to do after they get scored on. Well, a- apparently the officials thought that they were that Riley was shooting the puck at them, right? So they put the goaltender in the penalty box for 10 minutes for a major penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct, and so. We had to bring in our other goaltender, Ulrich Roussel, who we were trying to get rest like we were trying to rest him because he would played five games in seven days. Well, he came off the bench cold because they put the goaltender in the penalty box. I'd never seen anything like it. I said that on the broadcast that I've been calling hockey for eight seasons, and I've never seen a goaltender have to serve the penalty. And Ulrich comes in, first shot in the net. Michael Ertis backhands one past him, and all of a sudden, Provo's in front 3-2. And the Eagles tie the game up. They get to overtime. They pick up two penalties in overtime. Noco does. And so overtime ends, and at this point, I almost felt for Provo because, I mean, they'd had nine power plays. They had 60 shots, and they were going to a shootout against a team that was playing its eighth game in eight days. And... We get to the shootout, first shooter for NoCo scores, Lochner beats Adante, and then Provo goes, the Ernest brothers each go, Nicholas doesn't score, Michael does, and so we get to the third shooter, and it's all tied up, and Ulrich Roussel makes the save on the third shooter for Provo, I think it was Jacob King, and so we send out Case Cantius, who hadn't taken a shootout attempt all year, the Eagles participated in the fewest shootouts in the division. This was only our second one. So Case goes right down the middle and five holes Melnikov, and NOCO wins the game. They pick up their – a win, right, to stay at that point what was still a three-dog race for first between NOCO, Ogden, and Pueblo. And, I mean, that game – I mean, it's just incredible. It was a shame that we weren't able to have fans in the building because it's – it was one of the best hockey games I've ever called, I've ever seen. It's just absolutely incredible.
2: That's on your uh, play on your website, Brendanjprice.com, shameless plug. Isn't that that's one of the highlights I think that you called too? And I remember listening to that yep. and thinking, that sounds like like a Disney movie in the
1: making. I mean, it it was it was phenomenal. I I mean we had obviously staff in the building. And uh, I just remember looking at at some of the other staff that were there and we were just looking at each other like this is this is unbelievable. I mean, that and that that game by itself, but it being the eighth game that they had played in eight days and we were resting a lot of our, I would say, our top six that night. And so it really was just the guttiest, grittiest win that they had all season. I mean, just even talking about it now, it's just it's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. the hard part for us, the the challenge I would say for for our Friday night games is we start at eight thirty, and so I know that mountain time zone that's relatively good, you know appealing Pacific time zone. so for you, Ben, it's a seven thirty start, but I mean, you start getting back to central time eastern time like we're talking a nine ten thirty puck drop. We get to a shootout. when the game ended, it was what eleven pm, eleven fifteen local time, so I knew. Since we had a lot of guys from the East Coast and, and Eastern Canada, when I signed on for the third period, I was like, "Hey, welcome back, and you know, happy Saturday morning to those of us that are still with us, right?" That that was a wild game. I for some reason I recall seeing that
0: because I, I remember you calling that game. And that's why I was like, it had to be a Thursday night because I would watch Mountain Division rivals of Mustangs. I'd watch the Provo games, the Pueblo games, the Northern Colorado games, the Utah games, especially when they weren't conflicting with the Stangs game. Right. And maybe the Stangs weren't playing that night or I was watching highlights because we are leading our teams into the playoffs and I was just kind of see who was stepping up. Because a lot of teams, like, like, y'all, like you were saying, were coming on strong, especially Provo. And honestly, Utah as well. They were coming on real strong. Yeah, I just remember that because having a goalie I didn't know that he straight up was sent into the bench. I thought they just pulled him off the ice for 10 minutes and cause Roussel played a lot. Roussel. Yep. Yeah. He played a lot of games for y'all last year. And when he came in, I'm, this is just the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And I'm so glad you picked that moment. Cause I remember, I, I remember it now. I probably forgot about it like a day or two later. That was such a wild, weird game. And I just didn't completely understand at the time that they had straight up put him in the bench. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, and and that was the thing. And, and so at the ice house, and this is, you know, opposed to, I would say the ice sheet in Ogden, we, we, our vantage point is opposite of, of the scorer's box. And so we upstairs, we can't see or hear any of those conversations. And so we really have to suss it out and try and figure out, okay, what do we think is going on? What are they talking about? And then wait for the in-house public address to announce it so we can get a better feel for what's going on and so when they put riley in the box on on air initially i was like well the only thing that i know of would be abusive official that that's the only thing that they would have sent him in there for and and then when they announced that it was unsportsmanlike conduct i was like okay i guess that's why he's in the box and i i can't imagine the challenge of playing being a goalie let alone being a goalie that's going to come off the bench ice cold that late in the game. I mean, we're not talking about coming in in relief during an intermission. I mean, it was completely a surprise. Nine minutes to go in the game, right in the middle of crunch time. So just really, I think, one of my more favorite memories and games from last season.
0: That's awesome. And speaking of uh, last season, let's move into this season. The Eagles have signed a, uh, a few players over the past weeks, including rookie forward and Colorado local Doris and a pair of forwards out of the USPHL's Midwest West Division, including Pittsman out of the Minnesota Moose and Landers, a veteran out of the Steel County Blades. What are your thoughts on these new exciting additions to the Eagles offense?
1: I think that it's going to be a really fun year. Last season, the Eagles had a really their second largest class of college. Uh, college commitments combined through NCAA Division III, um, a couple of commitments in Canada, in Eli Leifers, and so this year the focus was really on trying to look and say how do we how do we pick up some of our offensive you know our offensive talent and Ethan Pittsman in particular I think is going to be a really exciting signing we have that release on the Northern Colorado Eagles website um, that you are more than more than free to read. I think overall, we are really excited for camp to start here in a couple of weeks and really see um, a lot of the guys that we're, we're signing and bringing in. We have a strong, strong group of returners as well, um, and I think it's going to be a really fun season at the Ice House.
0: No, it's, a, it's probably going to be a really exciting season for the Eagles, and I think the entire Mountain Division, I really believe that this is the most exciting division in the USPHL, and I think it's underrated, and I kind of felt it was underrated once it went into the uh, national championships. And it's like the commentators really weren't aware of, I mean, the Utah outliers are the ones that made it out of the division. They really weren't aware of the outliers players. They could talk about all these other teams and they're like, Oh, this team's out from the West. And uh, you know, they're looking at their, you could tell they were looking at their notes, trying to figure out who these guys were misnumbering, um, <laughs> who, who, which players were, which and me watching the mountain division all year long. Uh, I'm like, no, that's, That's not the right guy. That's not who's in that. No, but okay. You know, and so I just think it's an underrated division and I would be thrilled if they could actually launch a couple teams out of the mountain division next year, instead of just one.
1: I, I, I really appreciate that outlook because I know, I mean, statistically, right, the mountain division was the one of the only divisions in the league last year that one through five was competitive. It wasn't a division where you had a a top echelon, a middle echelon, and then two or three teams at the bottom that were just getting punked every weekend. And I mean, you think about, at least for Northern Colorado and and Pueblo, who both went back east, the interdivision competition, those two teams combined had uh, a 13. And three record against the other divisions that they played when both those teams went back on their Midwest East road trips and to Chicago for showcases. And so I I hope and I, I really believe, uh, having talked with Dan and Lucas and the Dan K show, they're great guys. The pandemic year was hard. It was a really tough year to come into the division and not be able to necessarily accommodate the travel coming out here because, you know, it was COVID. And so how many teams and players and and people were able to haul it from back east all the way across the mountains.
0: No, that's understandable. It was a rough year for, obviously, not only the USPHL, but for the world. And, uh, and hockey world was really struggling, especially up there in Canada. It was really tough for players to get any ice time at all. And there were teams in the States that completely just chose not to play or just ran into too many issues. I know the uh, South Oregon Spartans uh, were one of those teams that just had to tap out of the the season for the USPHL and uh, it, it was rough. But uh, like you said, this this division there wasn't a there wasn't a punk team. <laughs> there wasn't a team that was just gonna get destroyed game in and game out at any night. Any one of these five teams could win, and I think that's why it was such an exciting division to watch and and just seeing just the talent on. Each of these five teams was just, and just seeing teams like Provo did not start the year strong, as you were saying. And man, towards the end of the year, you didn't want to play them. They were just they were coming on.
1: I I know our coach uh, Steve had and he made the comment, I mean, consistently throughout the season that every game in the Mountain Division is a four point game. Every game you had to come out and be ready because you didn't. Everyone was so tightly contested and there was a lot of familiarity, especially um, with you know, teams coming over from the WSHL um, with coaches and systems that you had to bring your best for 60 minutes every single night. And when that's two thirds of your schedule, 30 games, that's a lot. You're asking a lot.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I'd love to, you know, speaking of asking a lot, uh, maybe that's a terrible segue, but I, I think, Brendan, I'm always really curious as we get into these discussions, you know, we can see your passion for, for what you do. And I think having the opportunity to interview so many people either involved directly in hockey as players or on the periphery, we get to learn a lot about the journeys that they take to, to get where they are. I'm curious, just thinking about you, you mentioned, you know, eight years in broadcasting, Did you know, like always, that this was something that you wanted to do? Or or how did this fit into kind of your vision for yourself and your career?
1: I mean, I wouldn't say always. I'm going to give myself from ages one to nine a little bit of grace there. But from 10 on, this not necessarily hockey, kind of interesting, but broadcasting in general. This is what I wanted to do. This is my passion. I grew up in San Diego, and so I spent a lot of time watching – San Diego Padres, so Major League Baseball, and Matt Vaskersen. That was who I grew up on, and I was like, I want to do that. And when I was younger, my family had season tickets to the San Diego Gulls, who at the time were in the East Coast Hockey League. So getting to go and watch those games in person and watch minor league hockey was a blast. I loved it. I fell in love with it as a little kid. And so I've spent a lot more time, I guess, focusing on hockey. And I did four years of college radio and hockey broadcasting at San Diego State University where I did my undergrad. And I've done it for three years here in, in northern Colorado. And I just love the fact that you show up to the rink and you don't know what you're going to see on any given day. And you, the, I get to try and convey the story and the emotion and the feeling and the fun um, to people that – may not necessarily be able to be there and that was something that really hit home for me especially uh, last season where we couldn't have fans was knowing that our camera and my lens into into the ice house that was all people had and and so making it fun and making it exciting and making people want to watch eagles hockey was really really important and impactful for me you know,
2: Brendan, as you kind of talk about that, I think it's easy to see your passion, your dedication to the craft. I, I find, though, with a lot of artists, uh, you know, why not? Let's call you an artist for the purpose of this. Right. Like like you just said, you're, you're creating a picture uh, in the imaginations of those who might be listening. Right. Who can't experience it themselves. So let's let's call you an artist. A lot of artists, they have trouble uh, creating boundaries between their love of their art and real life. Are there ever times where you feel in everyday situations compelled to do a play-by-play narration
1: of what you're seeing in real life? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I really – I mean just anything, right? It's, it's funny because I, I think of some of the examples we've seen where you will have broadcasters who will call right, or, or narrate when an animal runs on the field right? Kevin Harlan very famously has done that a couple of times over radio. And I think I do it in my head. I don't do it out loud most of the time. Sometimes my coworkers at work, my wife, they'll get a kick out of like, hey, how would you broadcast this situation? And so I'll launch and do a 15, 20 second thing and everybody starts busting up. And it's uh, I really enjoy it. It keeps me fresh in some ways, because if like you mentioned, broadcasting is a little bit of an art form and sometimes you practice with different mediums right it's not always going to be hockey sometimes it's going to be someone taking out the trash and if you can do that you can call it hockey
2: or or i just imagine like you know going back to the family for thanksgiving has got to be pretty interesting you know like oh uncle jim takes too much gravy he's going to be penalized for mom who's approaching with
1: the electric knife oh yeah stuff like that all the time you know oh and here goes Ben. He's moving over to the sink. Those dishes look insurmountable
2: at the moment.
1: Wait a minute. Let's, do you have a camera in my house? Let's see if he breaks out the scrubber, goes with the old-fashioned rubber gloves and washcloth. And know. it is over. The scrubber has been commanded. It's assist going to Don Dish Soap. Yeah, it's it's uh, asked me after the game.
2: Don, you know, came to play. Got to have my You know, I tried Mr. Clean another time and uh, got in my eyes. It was a bad situation, Brandon. Well, that was fun. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> I love where we went there. That was actually amazing. I was picturing everything, too.
1: <laughs> oh, see, and that, That's the whole thing. You got to create that picture,
0: boys. Well, you're moving into dawn, right? Sounds like you're doing some sponsorship. So speaking of sponsorship, we know they're important to junior hockey organizations. Do you want to give a shout out? They needed sponsors that have jumped on for the 21-22 season.
1: Uh, yeah, I would love to. I I actually, um, we have a handful of sponsors and partners that have just been really instrumental in some of the things that they um, are always so willing to help us as an organization with. And um, first off, uh, Uptown Laundry Service, they are the people that make our uniforms look so fresh and so clean, clean. They are a major, major partner with us. Fit Gym and NoCo Fitness have done a lot for really working with our players on you know, workout programs, nutrition programs. We actually just finalized a deal with Smith Co. Electric, which is here in Greeley. They're right down the street um, from the Ice House to sponsor our game notes. And the Downtown Development Authority here in Greeley has been so wonderful um, and flexible. Allison and Karen have been wonderful um, about trying to include us a little bit more in the downtown Greeley picture. So we've got a couple of opportunities moving forward to be out in the community a little bit more. And I'm going to tease that and and leave it there. I'm very excited for that this fall. Awesome.
0: And thank you to all those sponsors. Like it is, it is very critical to get that sponsorship and
2: continue to support junior hockey. And, and by the way, sponsors, uh, you know, Ben and Chris are available too. We're here guys. You know, the the whole, we talked about fitness in a gym. I got to lose 20 pounds. Okay, I'm too heavy. Boy, I wish there was a corporate entity which could help me do that, hint, hint.
1: (laughs) That was was a very
2: subtle plug. I really liked it. Thank you. I was actually kind of wondering if you were going to, like, narrate it. Like, Ben is being a complete corporate show right now.
1: (laughs) And and Ben with a subtle sponsorship dance into the slot. Yes.
2: All right, Br- Brendan. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We're almost at the end. We want to, one question just to to help our, our listeners get a better sense of of you as a person. What would you want the title of your biography to be? Pretend pretend it's a hundred years in the future. Somebody uh, writes a biography of you. What do you hope they title it?
1: Oh, that that is a good one. I I really would like to say that. Trying to think title. Unconventionality is is worth it. That would be that would be the title. Unconventionality is worth it. I'm originally from San Diego. I'm bilingual in English, Spanish. That's completely learned. I kind of fell into hockey broadcasting. I also work in education, so I work um, with at-risk high school students, and I love it. They're wonderful. They've taught me so much. And really the idea that I do a little bit of everything because it keeps my brain fresh, but also because you never know... You never know when those skills and when those things will help. I think about last season, we had some audio uh, issues on our home opener um, against Ogden. And so we were, weren't were able to get our audio up and running, at least for, for the broadcasting mic. And so we had to go NAT sound and the ability to be flexible and try and problem solve and figure out, OK, what can we do? Do we just leave it and let it run because... It's not solvable today. That kind of, I guess, willingness to be unconventional, I think, is what I would like to focus on.
2: So unconventionality, what was what was the second part? The under the first word on the, the jacket cover?
1: Uh, oh, okay. I like that underneath the jacket cover. Un- unconventionality um, is worth it. It's worth it. Okay.
2: I, I really like that. I think that's really interesting and says a lot about what you're trying to focus on. Certainly a lot better than what Chris would have. Uh, what would I have? It would just be the Chris story. The signs were there. Mine would just probably be goalie's beer and cookies. I think that would be correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: hey, goalies, let's, beer. to be fair, to be fair, if that's the story that we come back to in a hundred years, I would read that story. Goalies beers and cookies. Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with a nice brewski and a little bit of chocolate chip cookie? Come on. They're basically my favorite
0: things, truthfully, and obviously playing in ed when I'm actually fully functional and my COVID body hasn't destroyed me. So you know, speaking of the gym, LA Fitness, uh, doing that subtle plug as well or whoever wants to. I don't know Say, what they have. Save yet, us but,
2: from ourselves, guys. We're, we're too fat.
0: <laughs> yeah like the, the my covid body's showing guys my covid body is showing but no this has been awesome
1: Brandon. thanks for jumping on really it, it, it's been awesome this has been a really cool show i mean hey i i am just i am just a, a twitter message away folks obviously you can follow the eagles at noco eagles and then my personal twitter handle is at Bren j price three don't hesitate to reach out
0: absolutely reach out people because it's it's going to be an awesome year of USPHL Mountain Division hockey with the Eagles, the River Blades, the Mustangs, the Outliers, and the Bulls. These are five very competitive teams, and it's going to be, again, it's just going to be an awesome season. I can't wait to watch. But that said, we once again want to thank our special guest, the broadcaster of the USPHL's Northern Colorado Eagles, Brendan Price. Thanks for jumping on, Brendan.
1: Thanks for having me, boys.
0: And with that said, this was Chris and Ben at Pigeon Hole Hockey. And we'll catch you next time.